Does it say something or not say something that I do or don't use a Gillette brand razor to shave my head? By the way, I shave my head. For those of you who haven't noticed, yeah, I shave my head. That is not naturally occurring. But this week, it's all anybody can talk about is Gillette, to toxic masculinity, marketing, branding, all that stuff. And I guess, well, gosh, I guess that's what we're going to talk about today. So hold on to your hats or your razors or whatever kind of lubricant and or cream you use to scrape a razor across your face, head, or wherever's. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes, you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the Talent Cast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. So, I want to start by thanking Scott Leach for tagging me in a LinkedIn post in which uh, talked about the Gillette ad. Posted the Gillette ad, said, hey, you know, said longtime listener would love to know what I thought. And honestly, I'm glad he did. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I mean, that sincerely, I one, I love suggestions or questions or ideas for the podcast because, hey, I don't know what you're thinking or I don't know what would help you. So, you know, I do what I do. So it was helpful to get kind of a direction of what would be interesting to talk about or learn. But honestly, this isn't a subject that's been on my mind for a bit. So let's kind of take a couple steps back. Let's start with, and I'm, I have a handful of bullet points and notes I think I want to talk about, so I am off the cuff. So if I say anything stupid, in fact, let's start this way. I'm about as liberal as they come. I am pro-gay marriage. I am pro-gay adoption. I am, uh, let's see, let's just erase all marriage laws. You can marry other any other human you want to marry so long as they're an adult, okay? Let's, you know, kids are stupid, and frankly, I'm st stupid till I was 30, but, you know, let's let's draw some lines somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty darn liberal, and I try to be as open-minded as I can, as, as liberal as I am. I am a human being, and I am flawed, probably more so than many other people. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's be fair. I don't know whether it's appropriate to say someone might be black or African-American, or if it matters, or when it absolutely does matter. I don't know that if I say things, some people are black or brown or white, it doesn't matter. I don't know if saying brown is bad. I don't know. I don't intend it to be mad or bad. I don't intend to take anyone to take offense. I don't intend to speak any kind of subtextual criticism of them because of the color of their skin, ethnicity, race, or anything like that. Okay, so that should be on the table. I am pro-women, pro-man, pro-adult. I'm pro-dog, but really dogs are dogs. I am anti-cat, okay? Let's just say that, okay? You got to have draw a line somewhere. I don't care for cats much. That said, I'm going to say some stuff and I might be wrong and I might be, and I try to keep an open mind and I, and I absolutely appreciate the people in my life who keep my ass in gear, who keep my ass engaged and thinking. And there are plenty of people in my life, uh, I won't name names because I think it's, it's probably, I'm, I'm going to miss a lot of people, but there are some amazing people who are absolutely so far on the edge of feminism, but it's not so much that I disagree with them, it's as much as they say, as they make good points and they make me think. Okay. That said, what I'm trying to say is I do not have all the facts. I do not have the exact right opinions. I am going to be wrong and I'm going to misstep here all over the place, but I'm going to put my cards on the table. I'm trying to do so from a point of just ma making a point, trying to get everybody kind of aligned on something or, you know, something to disagree or, or agree on uh, without trying to say someone is bad or good. That's not my intention here because 
we got to take those steps back. We have to start with this idea of what is a company? Whoa, James has gone crazy. No, a company is a legal concept. Literally, the fact that two people work in the same place doing the same thing, they're still two individual human beings, right? They work for company X. What is company X? A company X isn't a person. Company X is maybe owned by a person, but is a legal construct allowing that owner to divvy up the rights to create artificial uh, protections against litigation, against indemnity, against uh, all sorts of things that could happen to the quote-unquote company, but and, and thus protect themselves from what, you know, so for example, you go to a grocery store, you trip and fall, you break your leg, you can't sue the owner of the company, you sue the company. Now, what is the company? The company is a legal construct that has some assets, and it employs people, and blah, 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 blah. I have to make this point, because I think especially especially in America, and maybe to some extent in the UK, given the kind of political conversations you guys are having, um, we seem to have forgotten that companies aren't people. Sorry, everybody, they're not. They do not have the rights as people. They are legal constructs. That's all they are. Just like a marriage is a legal construct. I am married to my wife. I love her very much. I think she loves me pretty much. And what does that matter? There's legal documents that allowing me giving rules to what we are and aren't allowed to are and aren't allowed to do or say, and protections against us from other people because of that. Right? That's all it is. Marriage isn't magical. Companies aren't magical. They're not people. They're legal constructs, and they've always been legal constructs. Always, always. Let's go way back in the days of companies when the king or queen had to allow a company to exist. They had to. They had to get a charter from the queen or king, depending on what year it was, and this is, of course, English-based because I'm, you know, American, so I'll, my history say, says that only, you know, important stuff happened in uh, Italy, Germany, and, and uh, England, let's be fair, uh, even though I know for a fact that there's lots of other stuff happening. I didn't get taught that, so I have gaps in my knowledge. The queen or king says you are allowed to have this legal construct and thus allowed to pool money together to buy a ship and send it across the ocean to God knows where and whatever comes back, it's split up in a certain amount. A legal construct has always been a legal construct. So what is the most human element within that legal construct? Well, obviously, it's the people within the company, the people who work there, the leadership, the managers, the employees, the staff, to some extent, the contractors, the people who are, work alongside the company. But that is the most human part of a company, right? The, the company has no feelings. Depending on which city, uh, state or country you're in, the company may have some legal rights about what it's allowed to quote-unquote say or do, how it's allowed to donate money, but in the end, the company itself has no feelings. GE has no feelings. SpaceX has no feelings. Do the owners of GE and SpaceX have feelings? Yes. You know why? Because they're human beings. They're, they're people. Okay? We have to remember that because that tells us that the employer brand is actually, when you strip it all down, the most human element of the company brand. If people are the, if, if the employees are the most human element of the company, then the employee brand, employer brand, however, talent brand, however you want to call it, is the most human aspect of the brand. Now that may be a bit of a shock. Because to some extent we think of companies and consumer brands, we think of the consumer. The consumer is not a person. It's not. Businesses can buy. Businesses can buy all the time. 
I sell the businesses on a fairly semi-regular basis. I wish I could do it more. Um, but businesses buy, but they don't feel. People make choices. A lot of times, people buy for other people. Uh, there's a good conversation uh, today in uh, the social recruiting show with uh, Katrina and Audra and Chad. Hey, Chad. Um, another head shaver. Uh, about the idea of why do ATSs suck. And it was a conversation of, well, the trick is the person who buys the ATS and chooses the ATS is not the person who actually uses the ATS. Recruiters usually don't have much of a say in what platform they have to use. That's usually HRIS or HR, not recruiting. That's, again, another case of the consumer is not a person. The consumer is a group. The consumer is a company. Yeah, sometimes a consumer is a person, but what you're doing is not serving the person. You're serving the person's needs. And so you say, ah, that person's hungry. I have good food. Here you go. Ah, that person's cold. I have warm shoes and a hotel room. I don't know, whatever you sell. It's a different thing. You're not, you're serving the person and you're talking about how much the consumer or the customer is the most important thing, blah, blah, blah. But really you're serving a need, not a human being. For the most part, there are some issue. There are some, you know, quibbles with that. But really, the employee is the most important part of the, the most human part of the company. Therefore, the employer brand is the most human part of the brand. Now, that means there's an opportunity to say and do things from an employer brand standpoint that the consumer brand cannot. Now, I will preface this by saying, and I just want to make sure my notes are good here, let's remember that the Gillette ad, the Nike ad, all these other ads, uh, you know, in this same kind of vein, are consumer brand marketing, brand awareness marketing. At no point did that ad say, "Now buy a three-headed razor," "Now buy some, you know, shaving cream," "Now go ahead and get a subscription to this shaving club." At no point was there a call to action or a product to buy. It was simply a, "Hey, we would like you to when you think of we, one we would like you to think of Gillette and when you do think of it you should think of us as people who seem to care about the concept of people we seem to care about that human aspect at no point did we try and force those little razor blades down your throat that's a weird visual i apologize that literally came in my mouth and i went Ugh. um and there's plenty and i mean plenty of reason to be super cynical about the concept of a company trying to be all woke and there we are because that's what's happening. That's what we're seeing. These are companies deciding, okay, you know what? I'm going to be woke. I'm going to be aware that these social injustices are there, and I'm going to step up and speak out. And to some extent, and I'm, you know, and I, for, for reference, if you're interested in more information, I highly recommend listening to anything or reading anything Scott Galloway does. I'm sorry, Professor Scott Galloway does and says. I think he's been talking about this for a little bit, and I think he's dead on the concept of in 2019, woke, it will be a valid uh, uh, business strategy. And to some extent, the woke part of it is a function of employer brand. The company as a business, the business strategy cannot be woke if the employee brand is not woke. And I apologize for those of you for whom English may not be the first language, for whom you're trying to follow along with this crazy person who's clearly had way too much coffee and speaking way too fast, and suddenly there's this concept called woke. Or maybe you're not an American, or maybe, I don't know how far the concept of woke has come up, but the idea is that I am no longer asleep to the injustices facing people around me. I am awake. I am I'm aware of the things happening. For a long time, for example, um, lots of people could say, cops are fine, they're just doing their job. And it wasn't until people had video cameras wherever they went uh, in the form of phones that they could start to record the things that were being done and said to African-American and black people in the United States by police officers that the white person would say, what? 
The fu- that fucking happens? What the hell are you talking about? I thought NWA was bullshit. It was at least kind of exaggerating a little bit. Maybe it only happened in Compton, and maybe it only happened in rap videos, and maybe only people in LA or in New York can complain about this. Like, oh no, this shit happens in Alabama. Oh no, this shit happens in Texas. Oh no, this shit happens in, in Chicago. And I'm, as a Chicagoan, I'm very aware of some of the shit that has suddenly happened. No, let me rephrase that. I'm suddenly aware of the shit that's always been happening. Am I woke? I don't want to get into that. But that's the idea. The idea is that I'm suddenly aware of the social injustices. Because I have feminist friends, I cannot say that I do not know what the concept of mansplaining is, or Me Too, or uh, uh, friend Shannon Downey, uh, she does she does this thing. She does, um, uh, not need a point, not a point, uh, cross-stitching. Yeah, is that what it is? Anyway, um, she's, it, it's socially conscious cross-stitching, and she does, she makes these... Um, textiles that she uh, stitches into things like boys will be boys except the final boys is crossed out and it says we'll be held accountable for their actions right or um, you should be scared of me because this shows I have the patience to stab something 1000 times fantastic stuff hey Shani you don't listen to this but I think you're doing an amazing job but I have friends who are who are feminists who are showing me this stuff their version of the world I have friends who are black on Twitter God bless black Twitter for showing me a part of the world I simply know nothing about and why would I? I'm a white dude living in north side of Chicago. The shit that you think of when you think of, oh God, Chicago's a hellhole, happens on the other side of town for the most part, not exclusively. So I don't get to see it. I don't, I'm not forced to confront it. But by having these connections, I am quote unquote more woke than I perhaps was. And the employer brand, to some extent, is deciding maybe we should be too. Now, let's talk about marketing. Now, marketing is commonly seen, especially consumer, consumer packaged goods. Uh, we'll loop in Nike with that because, you know, people, everybody has shoes. Um, all these pro- these companies are making choices about the future. So for example, the Colin Kaepernick Nike thing, Colin Kaepernick kneeled at a protest about um, how uh, black people are being uh, uh, treated by policemen uh, in the country and just literally kneeled. Didn't say anything, didn't do anything, just kneeled during the anthem and for that got a whole shitload of crap thrown at him unnecessarily and has been effectively blackballed from the from the uh, the league and did a, an ad with Nike in which they talked about just go for, you know commit to these I things even when it hurts and all sorts of people came out of the woodwork saying oh this is going to kill Nike stock this is going to kill their sales people were burning their Nikes in protest supposedly and there's lots of evidence that says really is that a thing um, or is that a bunch of bullshit that was staged anyway turns out next quarter they had 30% increase in sales just out of nowhere and some would say hmm it's almost as if grumpy old white folks don't buy too many sneakers but black brown white as well kids who are aware of this wokeness who are aware of you know who've been raised in the land of Columbine and Parkland who have been raised in a more woke environment so to speak are saying yeah we buy more lots of sneakers, and we believe in this idea that Colin Kaepernick's been blackballed unnecessarily, and by the way, there's some shit going down, and we should be able to talk about it. Turns out that Nike is placing a bet to say, I bet those old people go away, or i.e. die, or just stop buying shoes altogether, and these kids will simply be more brand aware and more brand conscious and connect more with Nike and buy more Nike stuff, which is good for Nike. That is a choice, and it's a demographic choice. 
can Gillette say the same thing? Is Gillette going to put together, put out an ad that talks about the concept of toxic masculinity, a concept on its face that pisses the hell out of people, certain people? Not me, because I am so postively understand that, hey, I didn't realize. I'm sure I have mansplained before. I am sure I have done manspreading on the bus once or twice. I am sure I have done that. And now that I'm aware that it's a thing, I went, oh shit, that's a stupid thing to do. I shouldn't be aware. I should be more conscious of how I act. In fact, I should be more conscious of how I treat others. To some extent, me too, toxic masculinity, mansplaining, all this shit is a function of, hey dude, don't be an asshole. So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. I mean, how much more is it than that, right? Don't talk over people. Don't interrupt people. Let people talk. Let people have their opinion. Take only as much space as you need to take up on the bus seat and the train seat or the plane seat. Don't, you know, try to explain what somebody else is saying because they have a voice and they spoke it. Don't be a jerk. Don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. You're, insert your adjective of choice. And that's fair. So is Gillette saying, look, we don't want jerks to buy our products? Well, that's a tough one because that's kind of on the face of what it's saying. It's saying, hey, this concept of toxic masculinity is bad, which it is. Anything that's called toxic is inherently bad. It's got the word toxic in it. Toxic water. Water's great until it's toxic and then you don't drink it, right? <laughs> Anything that's toxic on it is inherently bad. You, No one is on the side of toxic masculinity. No one's saying, hey, I should be allowed to be a total fucking asshole anytime I want. Oh, wait, there is. It's called the incel movement. Those people are insane. I, have, I, I, I don't even get that. Anywho, that is a tangent in politics we didn't need to enter into. What if Gillette's doing something different? What if Gillette, which is a consumer packaging goods, which is a product that doesn't have an inherent demographic, I don't know, lever. For example, Nike, you can say, look, kids, people, kids who, who idolize basketball and sports are younger. They tend to lean a little bit more non-white and they're inclined to buy lots of shoes. So it's made, So there's an easy demographic selection Nike could have made to say, hey, this is an audience we're completely fine to anger. And by the way, the points we score off of angering old people, you know, the establishment, so to speak, doubles in value the people we want to be on our side. That's an easy call to make. But Gillette can't make that call, right? There's no sense that only black or brown people or mostly black or brown people are shaving or mostly urban people are shaving. Everybody shaves depending on what part you shave, and, and women were included in this, women shave too. And Katrina, in her thing at Social Recruiting, made a valid point that the idea of a pink tax, the idea that women's razors are more expensive, kind of throws a bit of a wet blanket on this concept of we're socially justice aware, and yet somehow the women's razors, which are the exact same razors, are somehow more expensive? What the hell? Valid. And again, I can see why you're cynical about this stuff. But to this idea that there is no demographic value, there is no kind of wedge to... to to put in here, unlike Nike, why is Gillette doing this? And I think what's happening is, as a consumer packaged goods, Gillette's seeing some of the writing on the wall. Now, 
Is it possible to say that America, and I'm for those of you not in America, go ahead and just try and follow along as much as you can because maybe you don't care. America is effectively divided 50-50 between a liberal and conservative kind of mindset. Sort of. You look at past elections. This past election, it voted publicly, or you know, in, in the in general election, slight, ever so slightly more liberal side. But when it comes to states, the conservative side won. And when you look at polls, generally it's a good split. Well, that's not true because the polls aren't split. The Congress is split. The House gets split because those are things are political entities. So, for example, the way uh, a state like Wyoming has 12 people in it, I'm pretty sure, and yet they have just as many senators as New York, as Texas, as California. That would explain why these states that have lots of land and very few people, and those people are generally white, they can be very conservative. Now, if you add them all up, you get more senators who are conservative and fewer that are liberal, but the people are more liberal than conservative. And as the demographic shift, as people get older, they get more conservative, and the younger they are, they generally, and there's lots of exceptions, more liberal, right? So maybe Gillette's saying there's an opportunity here. And to be fair, marketing is generally a little behind the times. Usually, especially in consumer packaged goods, it's advertising to the mushy middle. It doesn't want to reject anybody because anybody, we've talked about this. If you're selling a taco, anybody with a dollar is a viable audience for the taco. That's why what our job is is so different because we focus on quality, not quantity. When we're hiring a candidate, we only need the one candidate, so we look for the best, not the most. But in consumer packaged goods and shoes and all these things, they look for quantity, not quality, right? They don't care who you are who buys it so long as you can afford to buy it and you buy it. But I think there's something happening. And marketing is generally very safe. It's generally very behind the curve. It took a lot of states, including, let's be fair, Iowa first off, to ratify the concept of gay marriage before it became semi-common to see gay families on commercials. Uh, four years ago, Cheerios put one out that had a mixed race couple, and people acted like it was 1950s, and some people went freaking nuts. What year do you think this is? But Cheerios said, look, we've gotten to the point where enough people really believe that it's only in the fringe areas who are loud, they complain about that stuff. Turns out we're a fairly progressive country. We've got a lot of very vocal, non-conservative spaces, and there's plenty of evidence that suggests when uh, people complain and raise their voices about how horrible this commercial is, those people have four followers and may in fact be bots. And let's be fair, bots are complicated. And so the whole marketing aspect of it, it may be as simple as, look, if you remove the bots, if you remove the base, if you just put some basic math on it, this is an easy way for Gillette to say, this is something you can pay attention to. This is something you're going to share with your networks to raise awareness. This is something we're willing to be on the right side of. If it costs us something in the short term, it gains us quite a bit more in the long term. This is basic, simple math. Again, it's fair to be cynical, and let's be fair, I'm usually right along there with you. But what does this have to do with the employer brand? Well, I'm going to suggest, and I've suggested before that the employer brand is the core brand ultimately of any company, that that's what you're seeing. This concept of a woke brand, a woke consumer brand, is allowing employer brand to embrace more of that wokeness. Right now, 
our concept of, of social justice, of progressive progression or whatever, however you want to phrase it, is usually in D&I videos or IND videos, right? Accenture did a great video. There's a couple of other really great videos. And it's like, okay, well, let's put that in a box and let's put that, let's let the D&I team do that. But over here in the real world of recruiting an employer brand, we have to be mushy middle again. What we're seeing are the signs that it's okay to put a stake in the ground that it's okay to start to tie your stated values as a company, you know those things you make posters of and stick on the wall and you forget you have, that it's okay to stand behind those values in a way that rejects certain people. I think we've talked about this a long time ago. When you have a value, when you have a stated strategy or you have a stated brand, part of the litmus test to testing whether it's valid is a function of is there an edge to it? If I say I like puppies, that's not a value. That's something I stand by. Am I, am I, do I like puppies enough to adopt one? Well, not at the moment, no. Okay, well, are, do I like puppies enough to give them $500 when I see them? Well, no, not that much. Okay, so how much do you really like puppies? Well, I think they're cute. And to some extent, your company's values, whatever those values are, that's about as, hard, as strongly as you hold those values. Are you willing to fire people who don't meet those values? Are you willing to reject uh, promotions to people who don't meet those values? What happens when those values come in conflict? Which is unfortunately because most companies' brand or companies' values are formed in a committee, a lot of times you find that some of them are in deep conflict. Which one wins? I think what the Gillette ad is saying, whether it means to or not, and I'm sure it's really its job is to sell more razors, let's be freaking honest about this, but what it's saying to us in the employer brand space is there's a little more wiggle room than we think. Yes. You put out an ad like that, there will be people, There, I'm sorry, let me rephrase, there will be assholes. Sadly, this is a world in which assholes is, exist and it might just make sense for us to learn to figure out how to weather them rather than to figure out how to build a brand that does not anger them. Because a brand that does not anger them is not much of a brand. It doesn't establish an edge. An edge says, I'm willing to go this far or I'm willing to piss off that person over there because they're not for us. To quote, uh, you know, Uncle Seth, you know, this idea that this is not for you. That's okay, right? Someone may make the world's greatest stormtrooper costume, and I might go, that's stupid. Well, guess what? It wasn't for me. Every brand can say that. An employer brand says that more than most because, unlike a consumer brand, where quantity is the norm and the expectation and the goal even a company like Google who hires seemingly every 20 seconds, just do the math. That still only means they're hiring, what, five, ten thousand people a year? In the grand scheme of the seven billion who, who live here and the four billion who use their products or whatever their number is, I didn't look that one up yet. Their employees are a tiny, 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 tiny subset of all people, of all consumers. It's very easy to say, I only want the 1% of all people who think that the Moha the the um the uh, gosh I'm blanking Tommy the Hitman Hearns and Marvin Hagler fight was the greatest fight of all time. Now most of you are going, huh? That's not for you then. And some of you are going, no no the best fight was Ali versus Foreman. Valid point, but it's not true. Uh, minute for minute, that Hitman versus uh, uh Hagler best fight ever. Anyway, you're what you're saying is this is only for people who get it. Only for people, I'm drawing a line and only people on my side of the line are people who get it and people I want to be around and people I want to encourage to come in. The Gillette ad says it's okay. 
it's okay. In fact, it may even be encouraged to start to draw some lines that as the movement of people realizing, hey, maybe I shouldn't be such a jerk, that will limit me too. That will limit toxic masculinity. That will start to tamp down some of the man spreading, the, the, the man explaining and the bullying and all that other crap, right? Just stop being an asshole. The fact that we have to wrap it in this whole men are assholes, yeah, lots of men are assholes. Hell, I've been an asshole. Not even a question. I know plenty of women are assholes too. But they're, saying, they're trying to draw a line that says, I want you to pay attention to me and saying, we're willing to say, this is what we believe over this. What's interesting is because it's coming from a company and not from a product, it has a chance to be more human. Suddenly, this ad says the people who work at Gillette generally believe this thing. We are generally anti-toxic masculinity. I wonder how that plays out internally. I wonder if there have been focus groups. I've worked for companies who have stated very liberal and espoused very liberal views, who had conservative people working for them and they felt like the minority because I bet to some extent they were the minority. There are plenty of companies where conservative people will feel very much right at home. Now there's another layer to this and I've talked a lot about it, but there's another layer to this and that is the concept of HR, as we've talked about before, is not to manage humans. It is not to manage the resources. The goal, the sole stated goal of HR, the reason it exists at all is to not let the company get sued by people right? That's why it exists. So consequently, the safest way to not get sued is to build and maintain rules to say, look, we are fair to everybody. You can't say we called you out because you're pregnant or a woman or black or old or young or disabled or a vet or whatever. We have to treat everybody equal. So we're going to create some equal rules to allow, keep those people from suing us. That's everything that HR does is based on that premise. Now, the concept of toxic masculinity rips that apart. It says, I'm fine being treated special. And in fact, I get a little antsy. In fact, I get maybe even a little angry when other people are treated as equal as I am. Right? The Trump movement has said that white supremacy is a valid conversation. It is a valid viewpoint. And HR can't live that way. It can't live that way. You can't say this audience can live inside this company despite thinking that 20% of this country are animals. You can't have that viewpoint because they won't treat people equally. Now, the company doesn't feel a moral obligation to them. They feel a fiscal obligation because the second you realize you have someone internally who thinks that anybody who isn't a white person or a white male is a second-class citizen or an animal and is starting to treat people different, all it takes is one person to say, that person is treating me special and I'm going to sue the company because they did not fix it, suddenly the company has a fiscal imperative to fix it. Consequently, the concept of woke is woven into, for better or worse, for depending on whatever reason you want to approach it and you want to go cynical like I am and saying it's all about trying to not get sued or maybe because HR people are just good human beings and they believe social justice to be inherent good. That Either way. They're fiscally incentivized to remove those people from their companies. All this lines up to mean your employer brand can, perhaps even should, start to have these conversations about what do they truly stand What do the people truly stand for? Now, as a grouping of people, you're going to have a lot of opinions. 
and finding a way to express those the, the opinions of the masses in a singular concept statement series of values is tough. But no one said this job was easy. That's why, unfortunately, most of our values are committee-driven because they just want to, how do I just have this, put, how, what do I just, how do I put this thing on the wall? How do I just print this bad boy up and stick it in a poster and stick it on the wall and call it done? Those are our values. We live by them. There you go. What do you want? The concept of a value is a human thing, meaning you have to talk to the humans within them. And as humans are all inherently flawed, shocker, I know, the values are flawed and the values evolve. And that means there needs to be more conversation. That's really kind of all I want to talk about. I think what, you know, if you want a landing point, you want a you know, bullet point on this one, it's that go ahead, be woke. Go ahead, embrace a little bit more social justice. See how far you can take it. Not that there will be no repercussions and there will be no pushback, but to say perhaps that pushback is a lot smaller than you think it is or a lot smaller than it looks, and this is the direction we're all headed anyway. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, again, just, you know, if you're listening this far, by the way, if you're going to Talent Brand Summit and you need a coupon code or a, a discount code, hit me up. I'll let you know what it is, 200 bucks off. Otherwise, you could see me at ERE. And I just literally two hours ago got the word that you can see me at Transform. Um, yeah, if you want to know where I'm going to be and how to see me, go to jamesellis.us. Got all my speaking dates there somewhere. Um, also, you can also hire me to speak to whomever you want me to speak to. I don't know. Maybe that's what you want me to do. Thanks so much for listening. I hope I didn't put my foot in it, and I hope I didn't piss anybody off too much more than I think I should. Um, if you have questions, comments, hit me up. You know where it is. Twitter, LinkedIn, all the places. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of The Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.